podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted. It's still me, Dave, still away on holiday. So we've added another thousand minutes to his lateness score. But I am joined by regular guest, Carl. How are you doing, Carl? I'm pretty good. Double as good as I was before the weekend. Absolutely. I like it. Double. Double it is. Let's hopefully get at least a treble by the end of the season. But why not get four times as good, Carl? But that's why we're here. We're back for the Premier League stuff. But we will start with your thoughts on the FA Cup final, Carl. I was obviously on Raw, so I don't need to touch on it too much. But uh, it's it's two out of two. It was basically a carbon copy of the League Cup final, so it might have just been a replay in some houses, but it's another trophy for the collection, and it's another penalty shootout win for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to uh, put a positive spin on that, it's given us the um, extra experience and extra calmness about the situation, just in case it's needed in Paris, but I think for the sake of all of our nerves, we'd probably prefer that we can do the job a little bit quicker. Well, hopefully we're contractually allowed to score against other teams that aren't Chelsea. That's the only thinking. Because that we would did, be positive. We, yeah, we we did come close, but we just couldn't be bothered finishing. But I mean, yeah, I, two trophies for us, Carl. The game itself, it was it was pretty good for a nil nil. Chelsea showed a bit of threat. Obviously, we talked beforehand that Havertz was missing, which we didn't know about. Lukaku was kind of crap, as you expected. <laughs> um, and Pulisic continues to be the weirdest player in the world. <laughs> I was surprised they started with him, but I heard uh, a couple of it since that um, Timo Werner obviously had a bit of an injury problem. And then oh, has he? We, yeah, we were, apparently so. He was uh, struggling a bit in the warm-up and then was a bit tight and then possibly couldn't play at all. So that was uh, a surprise to see him on the bench, but then not used, so... Possibly that's why. Same with Christensen, obviously, was a, a, a non-inclusion or non-involved party. So one or two things that hit them quite late on. But then you can see the same as us, obviously, losing Mo Salah quite early on after kickoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully nothing long-lasting there at all. But um, probably wise, I guess you can say, even the fact that it's a final, uh, given that we have multiple fronts to compete on, we, we don't want to start losing players to injury. And obviously then if you're relying... Uh, on other players to come in and play all the rest of the matches, the chances of them suffering fatigue and muscle injuries as a result of that also increases. So I think overall a wise choice by Klopp. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if Salah was still at his tip-top best, maybe we probably would more of a risk, if anything, I suppose. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. Obviously, Van Dijk and Moore will come on to them when we get into the Southampton game. I'm expecting neither of us will say that they should start that game, but we will discuss them nevertheless. But uh, the FA Cup car, I mean, just just in the winning of itself, I mean, two out of two, mm. it's basically 
just perfect, really. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I know not everybody feels the same, but personally, I love the Cups. I love the domestic Cups, always have done. And we've not really had a great record in them, um, not just under Klopp, but beforehand, you know, first final in the FA Cup in the decade and the first time we've won it in much longer than that, 16 years, I think it was, or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's it, it, it was well overdue, I think. Um, I've always wanted to see Liverpool top of all of our uh, you know domestic trophies, you know, so the most Premier League wins or first division wins, the most League Cup wins, the most FA Cup wins, everything. I think we should be top of all of them. So to do that, we need success in each of them. And obviously this has been a long time coming. I do think that there's a, a huge emphasis on the fact that the squad is much bigger and better now. You know, there's less mm-hmm. of a drop-off between you start an 11 and the next three or four who come in. And that's that's makes a big difference. That's why City had such massive success, sustained success in the League Cup for a number of seasons. And hopefully now we're able to start doing the same thing. doesn't necessarily mean we'll win it all the time. So definitely means that you should savor these days out or the you know the times watching the finals and even the runs there because we've had some, in both competitions, some really good late drama, uh, important victories, big performances from people you wouldn't normally look at. All of these things count when you actually win the trophy at the end of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the season's already been a success. We're just wanting more. So we'll move on to our next Premier League game, Carl. It's Southampton. It's on paper we should win, but we've just mentioned we went to extra time and penalties, picked up a couple injuries. But what's more, what's more effective on, on, on a team? Is it tiredness or lads on separate beaches across the universe? <laughs> um. I think if you speak to any footballer or you've you know read the interviews with them at the end of the season, if they're going for trophies, they always say the same thing. You know, you don't get tired if you're winning. You don't get tired if you're mm-hmm. chasing multiple competitions, success on multiple fronts. You're not going to get people get to like mid-April and the start of May and they'd be going, oh, you know, I don't fancy the World Cup in a month's time. I'm, I'm pretty tired. It just doesn't happen. People want to play football. It's It's a really, really good job, let's be honest. So they love it and they want to be involved in the the biggest and the the most important matches. So they're not going to be tired. They might be tired if it's, you know, a real slog and everything's against you and you're losing games all the time and there's no energy because you just can't be asked and you want the season to be over. See Man United versus Brighton. Um, but that's not the case for, for this group of players. You know, there's good competition for places. There's certainly, I think, over the last month or so, there's probably been three places for the, in the team up for grabs on any given week. You know, we've had a rotation in each line, basically. And we know that even the squad players have remained really involved and committed and been pushing, for the most part, the players who are in the first team. It's been mentioned by Klopp and Linders and quite a few of the others overall. So I I don't doubt that there will be some players who are really tired at the moment and cannot possibly play to the best level, especially this game coming three days after uh, extra time and all the mental toll that that takes and the stress of penalties and all the rest of it, for sure. We'll need to make changes because of that. But overall, in the grand scheme of three more matches left this season, nah, not a chance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's focus on Southampton for, for a few minutes as a club. I mean, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the actual game in, in, in a bit, but Southampton, I mean, they're sat... Where are they sat? They're sat 15th on 40, 40 points. Four points above the ebb, and we've mentioned their struggles const- constantly through the year season, because it's funny. But... I think Southampton as a club, I think they've, in recent years, since probably post Koeman and stuff like that, they've always been 
either involved or mentioned to be in a relegation fight. They're just above it this season, and 40 points is usually enough to keep you safe, and it is this season, obviously. But they just seem to be the most patchy team in the history of football where, like genuinely, I think I've said this to Dave in the past on other shows, they can go out, they can upset Man City, they can, I think they drew with Man City twice, I might be wrong with that, but they can beat Arsenal, which I actually think is their last win. But then they'll just they'll get spanked by Brentford. They'll just not look bothered for pretty much weeks, if not months, on end, and then they'll just come up with a shock result. And it feels to me that they'll that might catch up with them one of these years. I think it's just fortunate for them that Norwich and Watford especially have been tragic this season. And obviously Everton are kind of found, well, playing teams that aren't arsed themselves. And then Leeds and um, uh, Burnley as well. But it, it feels like Southampton are playing with fire, but maybe not this season due to the number of bad teams. Yeah, possibly so. I mean... For a team who is ridiculously consist- inconsistent, they're actually on course to be consistent year to year by finishing 15th last year and this year. But beautiful. Go, but go back like two months, and they wouldn't be hoping or expecting. You know, if you look, you break up the mid the Premier League table into different groups. Obviously, you have got Liverpool and City by themselves, then you have got the Champions League and European teams. Then you've got that big mad batch of mid table teams who could be good, but are ultimately useless a bit too often for that to be yeah. the case and then you got the relegation battle which is five teams this year well that middle team that middle group of teams Southampton have got the players I think they've got the tactics I quite like the way that they set up I think Ralph Hasnall in general is a decent manager they seem to have everything quite decent there to be in the top section of that middle group of teams but they're not they're right at the bottom of it they've sunk down from like eighth ninth down to 15th because they just just have this ability to not really be very resilient. They obviously don't have the biggest squad, I think, in midfield. That's especially a problem for yeah, them because there's quite, yeah, there's there's real emphasis on their uh, work rate and tenacity off the ball position and all the rest of it. So it's a very, very difficult ask for them to basically have Diallo come in as the third one, who is still, you know, not really of a consistent enough level in the Premier League mm-hmm. and expect them to keep that same result. Even so, the level of drop-off since the start of March is woeful. Like They won right at the start of March in the FA Cup against West Ham. Since then, one win in 11 in all competitions. I mean, that's that's dreadful. You can't really expect to be anything more than a bottom-half club if you're capable of going on at least one, but realistically for Southampton over the last few years, two runs like that every single season. You know, we mentioned... Like Crystal Palace last year, for example, on the Hodgson, they'd do the same. They'd get all their points in like a couple of clusters. You know, they'd go for four matches and they'd win mm-hmm. three and draw one or five wins out of seven, something like that. And that'd be enough to see them through. And you're right, if they do get it wrong and, you know, don't manage to get one of those runs next season or the season after, they might well struggle a bit further down the table. They've got enough good players, but they haven't got a deep enough squad at the moment. Yeah, and I, they'd. They were they were taken over earlier in the season, weren't they? But not, nothing happened in January, so I'm not expecting it to be a a huge turnover and just added funds to it. Um, but let, let's go through some of their play. I mean, the team that started against Brentford and got spanked, it's probably not their strongest eleven. But I, the first player to probably start with is James Ward-Prowse because he is the... I'll go with poster child, probably not the right term, but I mean, he is up for player of the season somehow, in my opinion, but he's obviously good, and 
it's the I think it's the English media thing more than anything. You're saying he should play for Arsenal or whatever, but for me, I think he is one of them players who, maybe because he is English, should be a big fish in a little pond. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's 27 now, you know. He's not going to yeah. move to a, a Chelsea or anything like that and make himself a starter. Yeah, he could probably go to an Arsenal and be, you know, a, a reasonable squad player, maybe the third central midfielder. Um, I think most of the time when he's, you know, heralded for massive performances and that, it's because obviously he has a very prominent role in the team. He takes all the set pieces. He's naturally involved in a lot of goals that way. He is exceptional at them. Absolutely fine to to point that out. And he is really hard working. I think he's got good positional sense. Uh, personally, I think it takes an awful lot to be a success in a two-man midfield in the modern game, and he is, so no question about that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a good player. As one of the best eight in the Premier League, I'm with you. He's not He's not remotely in the discussion. I think there's uh, maybe a little bit of wanting um, one of the smaller, less successful sides to have mm-hmm. a representative there. Possibly uh, the English thing, obviously, has got a decent return in terms of goals and assists this season. I think he's a good player overall. I think he could play at a high level in Southampton now at the moment, for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's also totally ingrained in the way that club uh, operates and plays and the tactics that they have and all the rest of it. If you ask him to transfer this summer straight away, let's say into, I don't know, let's say into Man United as part of their rebuild, for example, is he going to be a massive success? I wouldn't say it's a guaranteed thing, just because it's a. He's certainly not going to be the the focal point of the way that they play. It's not necessarily going to be the same runners off the ball and doing all the hard work around him as well. So I'm not sure how high he could go if he was to transfer, but he's he's capable of more than Southampton are giving him at the moment. Uh, teams I'm looking at here, I mean, that he could probably go to, I think United, just because their midfield's dreadful, West Ham need to replace Mark Noble. I could probably see that. Uh, Arsenal probably aiming younger maybe a bit cheaper as well. Spurs, I think someone said he could... I've heard people say he could probably play a wing-back for them if Conte sticks about... Eh. But he was linked with Villa and he has been linked with Newcastle. I probably think they're the two clubs I could see him going to, but maybe Newcastle aside, because we know their project will have a rocket strapped to it at some point, but do you really want to leave Southampton to go to Aston Villa? Well, that's the thing. Obviously, he has a massive personal attachment to the club, and I think Mm. that's probably the deciding factor in the end, unless you can go to a certainty of uh, European football or international honours or challenger for trophies. I'm not really sure why you'd take a, maybe not quite a sideways step, but not really a massive step forward, is it? I mean, even if you do go to Newcastle, there's probably a danger there that they sign three midfielders and you've got to really fight for a place rather than being an automatic first choice. And West Ham, I would say that that's maybe the only good stroke realistic scenario where they're already in European football and all the rest of it. But even that's not mm-hmm. a dead cert thing. You know, they're not a team who has managed to get themselves into Europe four years running or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's every chance that if they get one summer wrong, West Ham are back to 10th, 11th. Mm. I don't think he starts over Suchek and, well, question mark if Rice stays. I yes, it would well. be, be if Rice leaves for me. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because, I mean, it'd probably cost, oh God, English premium. Realistically, forty, but probably asking more. Realistically, sixty percent, sixty percent of whatever rice goes for, I'd say. Yeah, probably, and that that's already up to above a hundred. So, yeah, it, it's a strange one. But let's go through a few more of the players. It's it's a few players we've picked out, or you you and Dave have picked out in the past. Salasu, Bednarak. You mentioned that it's a team that should be higher than where they are in the league, and I think that is 
probably the base they should be building around. I think they've got other talents, which we'll come on to in a set. But that centre-back partnership, it, it's young. Salas, who ex- especially, he's been really good this season. I think he's fell off a bit as everyone's jumped off on the beach as well. But if if they can keep them two together for a little while and then build, like I like the full-backs they've got and stuff like that, mm. and there's other areas we need, they need to improve on, which we'll get onto. But as, as, a, as a parent, that's probably... Except maybe Palace, I quite like the Brighton lads as well, but I'd probably pick them two over the Newcastle lads, the Villa lads, Brentford. Yeah, I think that's Leicester fair. this I mean, season as well. Ugh, Leicester don't have a defence this season, <laughs> so United, certainly not in partnerships. <laughs> I, I think that that, again, I've said this before, I think that's the most important thing, is that Benrick and Salisu have forged a good partnership, and that's, I think, really, really important for... Premier League defences for a team trying to build a way of playing and all the rest of it. I mean, look at Man United, for example. We know Varane is a really good defender. We know that uh, Lindelof has had good moments and he's capable of doing certain things. We know that Maguire, in certain situations, is a very reliable clearer of the ball and all the rest of it. But what do they each look like this season? Absolute car crashes, all three of them. And it's because there's no partnership, there's no structure, there's no protection in front of them. I think that Sally Sue and Bednarek have, have made a really good uh, pairing this season. I think that you know Sally Sue obviously a little bit quicker. I think he's got really good potential to be uh, a very very good progressor of the ball with you know slightly more difficult passes through the thirds or bringing the ball out into midfield a little bit more. I think that they've probably struggled a little bit at, at fullback just because they don't really have that absolute guaranteed starter at left back. Mm. You know it was uh, Walker Peters playing out of position earlier on. Um, they've had Sally Sue across on that side more than once. They've obviously tried with Paro again recently. So if they can add a really good start and left back, I do quite like what they've got, to be honest, because Walker Peters then you've got to cover either side. Tina Liveramento, obviously, once he's injury. returned from injury, has a really, really good first half of the season at the very least. So really good base. I do still think that they need to sort out the goalkeeper. You're again in a position this yeah. season where they've got what, Forster's played 19, McCarthy's played 15, Willie Caballero has played a couple of games. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that at all, not even Southampton. So sort out that goalkeeper, sort out that left back, and you've got yourself five who should be able to stay together for two or three years until someone comes in with a really big bid for probably Livramento or Salisu. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think Salisu... We've you mentioned teams that are struggling to play with defenders. I think what I think he's early twenties, twenty two, twenty three. People will start looking at him at some point. Maybe he goes back to Spain or something like that. Uh, Atletico Madrid centre backs are kind of crap nowadays. Something like that you could probably see happening. Um, yeah, the rest of the squad with the Dunward Prowse, Romeo's Romeo, Armando Broz is probably worth a, worth a chatting about. Obviously Chelsea. Their forward options are kind of, well, up in the air is probably the word for it. But he has been linked with permanent moves to, to Southampton. I think 20-odd mil mark was mentioned, which I kind of think is a bit cheap. But the Chelsea situation developing all the time, I mean, there's been stuff about it today where it might fall through or whatever. And we don't know what that means for Chelsea, whether they'll cease to exist or whatever. But re- let's ignore the Chelsea situation. If If Southampton can keep him, he has looked really promising at times. I think he is only still in his teens. If they can get him, I, I think it's a player that big teams will keep an eye on. Yeah, no doubt. I think there's loads of upside to Amanda Broja, to be honest. He's just turned 20. 
not really consistent in front of goal yet, but I think he has every attribute to make him that. He's very, very determined. I think he's quite a bit uh, hot-headed when he gets into the box and into good positions at the moment. Some of the times he tries to really smash it or bash a defender out of the way, but he doesn't necessarily need to. Uh, a few times we've seen him try to beat a defender for the second time after he's already left them. You don't need to, but he's only young. You'll get that. You'll get a few improved moments as the you know, next season goes on. He's the kind of forward with his with his movement, with you know, capability of scoring with his feet or in the air, uh, with the fact that he can play probably as a, a target man if you really need him to, or much better at driving from deep, I think. He'll probably just have one season where he suddenly explodes or, you know, like a, a half season where he just hits 14 goals or something like that. And that'll be his moment of arriving. Might not be for another couple of years yet, but if Southampton can get him for around that price, absolutely. There's there's real upside there. And to be honest, with the amounts that they've spent on people like um, Armstrong and that, bringing them up from, from the lower leagues and even Shea Adams, to be honest, and they've mm-hmm. been all right and they've done a decent job, but they've not been runaway successes. I think you're probably at the point where you need to maybe spend that a little bit more and have the potential for a lot more upside, both in quality performance level, but also in potential resale value. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you either go young with Broya or kind of go more established in what, well, I suppose the last established good striker they had was Graziano Pella, but was that more Mane making him look good? Because he did kind of just bugger off to China and nobody was asked after that. Um, so we'll see. Are you suggesting their long line of strikers since then are not established? Oh shit! <laughs> That's Get probably the word for it. They've had some shockers. As to yeah. be fair. Look, as long as they uh, stop playing Shane Long, I'm fine with everything. Dave's not here, so I'm going to hammer that point home. As long as they stop playing Shane Long, who dives all the time, I'm fine with whatever they do. And it's 2022. I mean. That lad was causing us bother when Reading were in the Premier League 200 years ago. Is it, was it Kevin Doyle and Shane Long all those oh, many, many years geez. ago who used to terrorise us? I'm sure we used to play I them about eight times them. a season. I hated playing Reading back then. Oh, just the most annoying was it the Dave Kitson as well. Jesus Christ. I, I didn't mean to ruin your Monday night, mate. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. It's Monday. Um, it really is. It's just... Flashbacks of Reading and Shane Long games. Even at West Brom, he was a pain in the ass. Um, Christ, I just remember Nathan Redman exists. Jesus, <laughs> she should probably do the same. <laughs> yeah, look, the, the the wide areas are where Saints actually do have strength and depth, but I lack of quality. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's all of a very very similar level, and they've all been marginally disappointed. I mean, Mohamed El Yunusi's probably been their best one this season, mm-hmm. and like. Before we tried to beat him before the season, yeah, exactly. They didn't want him. He's not even been there. He's been out on loan. He's been utterly unwanted. I mean, Armstrong's been shifted out wide at times. You got the other Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong, who was a first choice and has had real consistency and injury issues this season. Um, what happened Gineppo to that lad? Just, like? Yeah, Gineppo, yeah. I was just going to say he's absolutely fallen off a cliff. He's hardly had mm. any involvement this year. I think even people like you know Takumi Minamino have probably played more minutes than him this year. Mm. And then Redmond just seems to be morphing into like, Aaron I'm Lennon. not sure who. Yeah, Aaron Lennon's a, a fair comparison because there's just no goals. There's 2022 20, Aaron Lennon really, as well. Yeah, but Redmond's <laughs> still only 28. Like, it feels uh, like he's been around a lot longer than that. Mm. So. But we'll see. Look, it's the it's last last couple of games for them. So there could be you know more game time for a couple of the younger players who have, who have had a mm. bit of game time this season, obviously. 
Uh, Ibrahim Diallo just mentioned him before. There was Nathan Teller was obviously coming through and mm-hmm. making a few appearances before that. So maybe there'll be somebody else as well uh, from the academy hoping to get a bit of game time because let's be honest, they're not going to do anything different now in the league. Um, it's, it's hugely unlikely, let's say, that Everton win both of their last games so they're not going to go down any further. And also at the same time, are they probably going to catch Newcastle and Newcastle don't get anything from their own last two games? I think mm. Saints just finished 15th this year again. So if there's a time for experimentation, might be now because recent form doesn't exactly scream, you must keep the same 11. It is strange. I mean, there's only... I'm, I'm not going to count Jan Valerie because he's been around for a few years now. There's, like on their bench last week, there was only one player I don't recognise, and that's Tyler Dibbling, I'm going to go with. Yeah. Uh, so I, their academy was once seen as the best in the country. I can't remember. That was Ward Prowse? No, Luke Shaw must have been the last player who came through the academy, surely. Unless I'm forgetting someone really obvious. Um, well, no. Was, Ward Prowse, yeah, I mean, was they... Ward Prowse before Shaw or after Shaw? Uh, same time. Remember, to similar, be honest, yeah. Like I say, they've had quite a few who've like almost come through, like um, Abafemi as well, and Teller that I just mentioned before. So they've got a few who are trying still, but they just don't seem to. Mm. Certainly not at the same level, anyway. Let's put it that yeah. way. There's no Gareth Bale on the horizon by the looks of it. No um, Alana. Yes. Who can replace those turns? <laughs> um, yeah. Just whilst we're on these, in positions to improve, you mentioned goalkeeper there, wings probably the an issue, and bro, striker if they can't get Broyer over the line, and left back, is that the one you'd probably pick out for them? And, and centre mid. Yeah. yeah, they need a centre mid starter, I would say. I mean, Romeo's all right. Like, I don't mind him as a Must ball winner in that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you want to improve, if you want to go beyond where you are, one, you need a depth option, but two, you realistically need to, let's say they keep hold of Ward-Prowse, find yourself yeah. a better defensive midfield partner for him, let him be a little bit more expansive going forward and all the rest of it. Um, left back for sure. Decide which goalkeeper you're using or bin them all and just buy a new one and start again. Whatever they're all you out of contract, down there. I'm sure I've seen uh, that. I think they might have a, an extension on at least one of them, but mm. you know, either way, make a decision. It's It's been like three years of chopping and changing now and people like Angus Gunn were involved and trying to get there Ugh, that is it's just gone on too it's long they free. just need to yeah it just need to decide really you need that stability at the back we've all seen you know with plenty of other teams even with Liverpool what happens when you do end up relying on a goalkeeper who's not got the the form or the the ability to just step in and play one or two games we know what it's like when you don't have a goalkeeper as the consistency to demand that they are first choice that's just not ideal for Premier League you're not going to get massive progression without it I'm trying to think who was Southampton's last established keeper. Well, it probably would have been Fraser Forster three spells in goal ago, I suppose. <laughs> Before he forgot out a goalkeeper for a bit. Um, we've been there. We'll call him mm. Pepper Rainer number two. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that it's weird because I don't think they'll have loads of money, but see if they can find some bargains like they used to and then turn them into machines. Right, on to Liverpool. Um, mm. This isn't as straightforward as it could have been, because, I mean, we could have played Wednesday or Thursday, but thank you, Premier League. Um, right. Well, I'll we couldn't just... play Wednesday. Uh, the, the Europa League, not... people aren't asked; they won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're not allowed still, so. That's stupid, but anyway. Right, I'll, I'll go through the team that started the uh, FA Cup final, and we'll go through who's playing and who needs rotating due to playing 120 minutes. Allison's playing. 
So we yes. don't need to go there. Trent, question mark. No, I wouldn't be playing Trent from the start in this one. You look very, very tired in um, extra time to me. I think there were a couple of breaks that Chelsea had sort of towards the end of the game, actually, and then in extra time itself where he was just totally unable to sprint back and he was relying on mm. uh, either Henderson stepping across or Kanati, Matip obviously stepping across as well. There was one quite late one where I think he realised that he wasn't even going to be able to get a challenge and he just tried to grab hold of his top as he ran past him and he still mm-hmm. couldn't even do that. So I think uh, considering we'll need him for both the last two, this is probably what he comes out. Gomez at right back. Has to be, yeah. I think he's yeah. done well, look, so there's no yeah, real yeah, reason absolutely. to be concerned over that. Canate. Yeah, he starts. Van Dyke's a no, because he came I'm off assuming. Injured. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, we don't really know what injury or extent of injury it is, but I'm assuming that if there's even just the hint that it was fatigue and you don't want him to go beyond because he's played so many minutes this season... What's the point? Just play Matip. We know he's very, very good. Play Matip and Canate. They've just seen an FA Cup final together. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah, Matip was excellent when he came on as well, to be fair. Uh, Robbo, I mean, there's two ways of looking at this. He was kind of crap in the final, but he came off early. Oh, did he come off? I can't remember when he came off, but he's not been in the best form. No, he hasn't. But he didn't come off that early. I think it was only with what ten or fifteen minutes to go. Or something. Was it? Okay, I must remember. Yeah. But I think either way, I would, I would still have this as a turnaround. You know, Simikas obviously has played pretty well when he's come in. Scott, he is on the massive high of scoring yep. a winning penalty in a cup final. Um, and again, same as Trent. You know, there's there's obviously big expectation on our fullbacks for the last two games of the season in terms of the last Premier League game and the Champions League final. So, yeah, take him out. There's no need to overdo it. He's just done real hard yards at Wembley. Let's take the opportunity to use the squad that we've got. Wholesale changes is not really ideal, and especially in defence, but I think in this occasion is warranted. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, Nabi. Uh, I've been backwards and forwards on Cater, to be fair. He didn't obviously play all the way through. He came off for Milner on 75, and that tends to be around the average level, I think, when he's on. He's either one of the ones on or off on the 60-ish minute mark where we change mm-hmm. Henderson or Thiago or Cater, whichever one starts. Or he goes all the way through till like about 88, and then he's the late sub coming off. I think it is still a bit of a... Uh, a case of trying to manage his minutes and make sure that he does stay fit and we don't overload him and you know all the kind of stuff. So I think I would probably leave him out if there's scope to, but it does depend on obviously who else is coming in. Yeah, and this probably means we'll answer the question in his next two positions. Henderson as the six, obviously Fabinho does not I don't think Klopp mentioned no. an update on him today, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. Hendo's really the only six, but he obviously played the the whole game. Um, <clears throat> so you're not suggesting Tyler Morton comes back in for a big comeback now? Um, it just depends. <laughs> would I want Tyler? <laughs> would I want Tyler no. Morton or James Milner as the sixth? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I, I don't think that there's uh, any chance of that. I think Henderson will start. To be honest, I think he's one of the yeah. ones who did play all the way through the 120, but will actually continue. I think not that it's not a demanding role because we saw him get through loads and loads of work, but. Less than more out of necessity than anything else. And I'm hopeful, obviously, that in this game, Liverpool will dominate massive, massive spells of possession. 
and a lot of his work is actually just going to be you know the recovery runs for recycling possession and play it across the back line and then just be in place to do it next time Tiago now we do have to protect Henderson and obviously we mentioned Naby mm. there but Tiago it's kind of different because Henderson's been subbed off a lot this season whereas mm-hmm. Tiago when he plays it's 90 minutes obviously played the 120 and took a pen I, I'd feel like we should rest him because we are Tiago. on for Paul, but yeah. the champions Tiago. are more important. Tiago has two options. He can either pick out the comfiest seat on the bench and sit there just in case. Or, in the crowd. <laughs> or he can come and sit on the sofa with me and watch the match. That's it. That's, that's yeah. his two choices. No, he's not starting this one. Surely not. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Salah, same as Van Dyke, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mane played the entire game. I I kind of feel Mane would probably be all right just because he is just ludicrous. But yeah, yeah, but I would probably not start him in this one if at all possible. Right. Diaz, similarly to Trent, looked absolutely buggered by the end, and it was caused by a race with eighty-year-old Thiago Silva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I think Diaz probably would be all right if you need to start him, but. I'd Given the amount of minutes that he's had, yeah, with with Porto obviously before joining us as well, uh, I think he's probably one who mm. is used best used as an explosive sub if we need him. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So this is going to be heavily rotated. I mean, yeah. Let, yeah, let's I've go got for a it. Really rotated team. Yeah. So I'll go through my Allison Gomez, Matip on right, Ibu left, Simakas mm-hmm. midfield, Hendo, I'd go Jones, Nabi. I'd have to risk it with Naby because we drop points when it's beyond that, I think. And then up front, Jota middle. I don't like him on the wing. Mane left. Oh, no. Let's get Origi a start. Origi middle. Mane right. Jota left. I just kind of contradicted myself with Jota, but... I'd re- I prefer him him left than Origi left. The only change I have there really is um, I went for Jones, Milner and Henderson as the start in midfield, which is fairly horrendous sounding, to be honest. But That'd be fun. Ag- <laughs> yeah, it would. But against Newcastle, I think uh, Milner played pretty well. He that, did, yeah. In that role. And I think, again, against Chelsea, to be honest, he obviously had a couple of moments where he was... 72 years older than everybody else with his movement, but overall, I think he was all right. You know, he did certain jobs which we needed him to do. I wouldn't say he was like electric or anything like that, don't get me wrong, but he, he filled a few needs that were required at the time. So I don't have any massive concerns about him starting. We're obviously overlooking the fact that there's a certain player called Alex Oxlade Chamberlain who used to play football for Liverpool. And used in to theory, <laughs> yeah, in theory, he'd be the one you'd have coming in, wouldn't he? If if Cater can't start, it would be Ox coming in. But he seems to be so far out of the picture now, not even on the bench uh, for the oh, final God, again. Yeah. So, so I can't really pick him to come in with any sort of confidence. I forgot so Bobby I, existed. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I, I got, I got Firmino, Origi, and Jota as my start yeah. three, and I'm not 100% sure how they all fit together, but I guess Origi from the left to start with if Firmino is starting. I don't like that, but... No, it's not great, but no. um, I, I am placing, I must admit, quite a heavy emphasis on the fact that 
Southampton have gone eleven games with one win in there. That's true. And That's they've true. they've they've kept one clean sheet since I think the twenty twenty fifth of you're going to say twenty fifteen there. Twenty <laughs> fifth <laughs> of February, I think it was. Yeah. I've lost it now, but I think it's you know about two months anyway. They've kept one clean sheet. I did forget Bobby existed. Um. Yeah, we basically this team's telling me we need to find backup for more because nobody else can play on the right hand side. <laughs> um, that's probably one for the two for the summer. But no, yeah, I agree. I think Bobby definitely starts. I think Jota definitely starts, and then I think Tacky's probably the best option on the right. But he disappeared since the cups got to the later stages as well. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, be yeah. the only other thing you can do, obviously, is you know, people like Harvey Elliott can come back in, for example. But again, he's not really been involved very much. So I wouldn't be surprised because it's Klopp if one of them, like Ox or Harvey Elliott, just suddenly reappeared in the lineup, reappeared, even if it was yeah. Elliott from the right-hand side of attack to replace Salah, for example. And then maybe it's Firmino and Jota as the other two, something like that. At least one of them should probably get a bench spot this time as well, mm-hmm. um, just because... Tiago's with you. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think we've kind of got we've got the defense down. I think I don't think he'll risk Van Dijk at all. He won't risk Trent midfield. It just depends on fitness numbers, especially for Naby. I don't think Thiago will play either way. But yeah, the, the forward lines where the debate is because man is a machine. We don't know how injured Salah is. I think he said himself he's fine, but it's not worth the risk. But he does like he probably will want to try and confirm the golden. Uh, the top scorer and obviously Son's got I think Son's got Burnley and Norwich to play so you might see Southampton as an opportunity for him but more important things than top goal scorer but yeah I, I think Bobby Bobby Jotter I think asserts and then the last one so we'll see on the day but I mean the main question there Carl is that ro- heavily rotated team enough to beat a, a team on the beach in Southampton Based on the last few performances, absolutely so. I didn't see the 2-2 with uh, Brighton, I have to say, but Mm -hmm. against Brentford, yes, and they were woeful and they lost 3-0, and to be perfectly honest, despite having a lot of the ball, I would sum up what they did with it as uninspired and fairly obvious. Um, You know, Broja had loads of shots, for example. Most of them were just him twisting and turning and getting efforts away. Uh, I'm not sure 3-0 was entirely accurate on the balance of play in terms of you know, possession and shots, but in terms of quality of movement, in terms of intent, in terms of work rate defensively, definitely so. And you'd like to think that even if Liverpool's team is heavily rotated and the people who come into the lineup are not as fresh and sharp necessarily as people like Ivan Tony and Christian Eriksen, Johan Wisser, because they're playing all the time, mm-hmm. they are better than them. You know, mm-hmm. they are you would still say that, you know, you'd you'd have Jota over Wisser, for example, or Firmino over Tony. We should, therefore, still be capable of scoring a goal or two. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's go to Imagination Land. If City did lose to West Ham, do you think Klopp would have went full Brendan and tried to win 20 nil? Yeah. 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 But I don't think there would be that much change to it. I just think it would be like Salah, for example. If he's, if he's all right, he yeah. might still be only on the bench for this game just because you don't want to take any risks. But if it was a case of if we win this game 5-0 and Southampton have a habit of conceding 7-9 and nine in matches, you probably would start him. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. 
because I think well, goal difference is basically out of it now as City draw the last game. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's a strange. I think we have to drop points as well for it to be goal. I think I think now. the only way it's goal difference is if they lose, we win and draw. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah, so yeah, it's not it's not really a question out, but no, I agree. I think if 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 it was there, we would have went for the Brendan twenty nil. Um, mm. So it, it's been a bit of a short bud, but it is Southampton. Not to be mm. disrespectful ahead of the game. So on the predictions, then I suppose. I'd go three nil. I think. I, I think whatever way the forward line is is put together, I still think that defense has been playing enough recently, where they're all sharp. They're all in really good form. Um, they've worked well together in different areas. So I've no concerns defensively about Liverpool's lineup. Uh, it would just be about the the movement and sharpness. I mean, we, we saw Firmino's touch, for example, uh, mm. at Wembley was, you know. <laughs> Not your very average five aside sort of uh, returnee after twelve so, pints. Yeah, so hopefully that's a, a bit more improved and the movement is a bit better. And above all else, that we're more clinical than we were because we should have scored what three really yeah, at absolutely. Wembley. I mean, they can say the same. They should have scored probably two. I think if there's a normal level of finishing on the balance of play, Liverpool winning three two at Wembley is probably accurate. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that we're going to be a bit more. Uh, bit more composed, a bit more clinical when it really matters. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Just to be different, I'll say 3-1, give them a goal. Um, something stupid will happen. Um, and I think Martin Atkinson's referee, so we won't have rules in this game. Mm. Um, I think Stuart Atwell's on VAR as well. He loves to make his own rule book, so something mad will happen. But no, I, 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 I'm confident going at this game. I think Southampton... I don't want to jinx ourselves, but it's almost the perfect opposition going in this game after after a tough weekend. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go 3-1. Uh, but before we go, Carl, anything you want to bring to the people or anything at last thoughts on the game or whatever? Uh, not really on the game. I think it, it, there's a little bit of a danger, I suppose, in looking at this one as a just get it out of the way, done and dusted kind of game, but it's not. We still have to go out there and play well, otherwise they will turn us over. It's just how top flight football works. but. Luckily, we do have a, a very focused and very diligent squad about going out there and repeatedly battering teams. So, fingers crossed, they do exactly the same thing again. Um, from me, I have got a really, really big end of season review piece of the whole Premier League, which is out Tuesday, so the day of the match. Um, obviously, looking ahead to the final week of the season, and I'll have a post-match Liverpool piece on the indie as well. And obviously, I'll be back for Raw before. Sorry, not Raw. Yeah, I'm back for Raw tomorrow as well, aren't I? Pretty sure I am. Yeah, I'm on Raw tomorrow. Yeah, and then I'll be scouted before the final weekend. Yeah, and Dave should be back for that. Uh, I think I think he's back Thursday. I presume he's back. For, I hope he's back Thursday because he's better at doing this stuff than I am. Um, but yeah, hopefully Dave's back because we do play Sunday. Should be there should be enough time for him, unless he's gone for a long holiday. Um, but yeah, Dave should be back for that. For me, today was on holiday as well, so I'm kind of left podless. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it. We'll be back Tuesday night. Nina's back on here for Discord for the Nina Cowser show um, for the last two games. But the Champions League final will be uh, Trev, Dave and whoever else is on for that one. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for who's listened live. Thank you everyone who's listened later on as well. Up the Reds! We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
but there's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.